a scenario of an attacker trying to generate an alternate chain faster than the host chain. Even if it's accomplished, it does not open the system to arbitrary changes such as creating value out of thin air or stealing money. Nodes are not going to accept invalid transactions. Satoshi Nakamoto. Welcome to another episode of What Is Your Bitcoin Story podcast with your host Gigi. And today we've got a special guest, Nasos, a Bitcoin evangelist and entrepreneur who is passionate about helping individuals and companies adopt Bitcoin. Nasus's journey into the world of Bitcoin began with his studies in economics and business in London. This led him down the rabbit hole of understanding the history of exchange of value, or what we call money. In 2013, after the banking crisis in Cyprus, Nasus first heard about Bitcoin. But it wasn't until 2016 that he truly dived deep into the concept of perfect money. Today, Nasos is using his business to help people understand and adopt Bitcoin. He believes that Bitcoin has the potential to revolutionize the way we interact with money, and he's excited to be a part of this transformation. We're excited to have Nasos on the show today to share his insights on Bitcoin. In this interview, we'll discuss his personal Bitcoin story, his thoughts on the future of Bitcoin, and how he's helping people adopt Bitcoin. So without further ado, please welcome Nasos to the show. Thank you for having me. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here and uh, congratulations on what you are doing. Thank you very much. And uh, as the name of the podcast goes, Nasos, what is your Bitcoin story? So where does your rabbit hole journey start? So uh, I was born and raised in Cyprus. And uh, as many people know, uh, in 2013, there was a huge banking crisis in Cyprus. Uh, banks closed and uh, we learned the hard way what it means to not own your own money. Not only in Cyprus, but also around Europe, we've seen uh, a lot of interest in Bitcoin during that year, 2013. The, um, the price of Bitcoin went from around $100 to around $1,000, uh, just because people uh, lost trust in their banking institutions as well, either be Greece or Spain or Ireland. Um, I've heard about Bitcoin then, didn't do much, to be honest, uh, but uh, Around 2015, 2016, that's when I dived deep into Bitcoin. And um, when I started, you know, making some more money to actually invest, to learn about uh, some things uh, about investing. And uh, what can I say? I was uh, one of those people that got into Bitcoin and then, you know, uh, thought about what else is there in this blockchain world, you know? I started some things, invested some money, you know, I saw it as an investment, basically, you know, and then I I started learning a bit more. And then I started learning, you know, about uh, what problems does the blockchain solve and stuff. And then I did all the circle that <laughs> like 80% of the people do, you know, and then went straight back into Bitcoin. And now I'm all in, in Bitcoin, both with uh, my money and my time as well. Well, amazing. Well, to a certain extent, and some individuals like myself, Bitcoin is time, right? So it's the perfect combination. Yeah, actually, I agree with you a lot. <laughs> and uh, the most important thing that Bitcoin taught me, I think, besides all that, you know, blockchain, how it works and uh, the technology and investing, it taught me to have patience, you know. So with patience, you can do a lot of things, both in your investing career, but also in um, in your in your life, basically, you know, in your general life. Um, 
what I'm here to do and what I'm trying to do basically with my work is to promote Bitcoin, not only as an investment vehicle, but also as a currency in the store of value. Mm. When you see it as a store of value, then it creates um, uh, what's the opposite of urgency, basically, you know, it creates some sort of relaxation for me, you know, that I have my money somewhere that it's not controlled, it's mine, you know, and uh, it's scarce. I'm looking for scarcity. Mm. And um, people talk about land and stuff. I can accept that, you know, but I went to Dubai like one and a half years ago and I, I'm seeing that they're creating new land out of nowhere, you know. You cannot do that with Bitcoin, even if you want to, you cannot create new land, mm. you know. So basically a good way to start this podcast and a good way, I think, for people to see Bitcoin is digital real estate. When you actually see it like that, it means that you own some part of a digital asset of the internet, basically. Mm. But if we if we see the internet as value, then value uh, that I, I own, you know, and nobody has a hand in it, then it creates some sort of, uh, not scarcity in a sense, um, but um, uh, a way for us, for you know, normal people that don't have, let's say, 10 million or 100 billion or whatever to invest in something, to actually own a piece of that, mm. a piece of that digital land. Um, I'm sure we will discuss it a bit further later on. Um, I'll, I'll share some facts with you, if I may. Yeah, of course. Okay, so um, your listeners, I'm sure they know the basics of Bitcoin, basically, about the blockchain, about the 10-minute blocks, okay? But um, if we start from 2017, where the block size world uh, started, and uh, what can I say, the good guys won, basically, let's say that, yeah? yeah. The good guys won, and uh, uh, the block size remained the same. Uh, what does the block size mean, though? You know? So it's basically around the space in, the, in a block, it's around one and a half to two megabytes. Mm. What does that mean basically in real numbers? It's around uh, 2,700 transactions per block. Okay, I did the math. It's around 150 million transactions per year. Mm. Okay, so if we if we put that into you know into the real world today, that's nothing. Mm. Okay, so if the demand rises as we all expect that we are in Bitcoin, imagine the demand for each block. Mm. You know. If we, if we start to think about it like that, it comes back to the point of digital real estate. Mm. You know, um, If we have the two megabytes and um, it, it's that two megabytes, it's every 10 minutes, then I think the next war, basically, it, it will not be about size. It will be about time. So it, in my opinion, we'll have block time wars, mm. you know, to reduce the time, let's say, to five minutes instead of 10. You know, but uh, as the block size was went, um, and uh, thankfully uh, uh, the block size remained the same. Um, let's just explain some things. Yeah, it's uh, for the listeners to understand much better. Um, in order to run your own node and and for the protocol to remain decentralized, it needs to be cheap enough for uh, anyone interested to run their own node to do it. We see other chains, I won't name any names, okay? <laughs> but it takes a lot of thousands of euros and dollars to do it. Yeah. With Bitcoin, how much is it? Like 300 euros, 500 euros, yeah. six or somewhere there, you know? So it's cheap enough for everyone to participate uh, in the protocol. I believe that's the most important thing about Bitcoin. And when I started to learn about these things, that's when I went 
deep into the rabbit hole of only Bitcoin. Mm. Yeah, I like it. Well, what uh, Nasus opens the episode up with a bang. Uh, th there was a lot of fact droppings, but I, I think you 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 touched upon a lot of important things. Uh, that the block size wars, of course, which we actually haven't covered yet on on the on the podcast so far. Um, and an interesting new concept where you said the the not not the block size but the the block time wars which could come up that is I'll be honest first time I hear about this and 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 that could potentially be something interesting I I don't know how technically that could work because I guess the 10 minute blocks is something that's programmed within the protocol but let, 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 let's touch upon this in, in as we go forward but Another thing I wanted to to add, kind of my input, which you mentioned the the two on average the two and a half thousand or two thousand seven hundred transactions that you can have per block, which equates to give or take hundred million transactions a year, isn't isn't that the reason why such as you know layer two technologies such as Lightning have been implemented, right? Where you can do a lot of peer to peer. You know, you go you're not going to spend on chain Bitcoin for your Starbucks uh, latte venti, right? It's you, you can do lightning payments, which batches them and then puts them as one. Don't you think that could be essentially one of the solutions of how we can scale Bitcoin and everyday adoption within the masses? Yeah, so that's a great question. Um, first of all, I believe on the main chain, uh, there will be a point basically in 10 years, we will mine basically almost all Bitcoin, yeah, around 10 years. I mean, um, when the reward goes to 0.79, whatever, you know, then it becomes super scarce, super, super scarce. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so the main chain uh, won't be used by, let's say, normal transactions. Yeah, mm. never. So I agree with you. There is the Latin network, the liquid, Fentiment. There are um, uh, a lot of protocols trying to actually uh, not solve basically for, in my eyes, it's not a problem. Mm. Yeah. Uh, but if we want to create a new market for Bitcoin, because I believe in the scarcity of the um, Bitcoin chain, yeah. yeah, it should be there, it should stay there forever. Okay, that's uh, very important to, for our listeners to understand. Uh, the protocol is amazing, it, it should not be changed. Okay, a lot of people try it with, let's say, 900 pages of, uh, you know, white papers. This is a nine page white paper that works. Yeah. We should never change it. And if we change something, it should, we should be very, very careful. Okay. So let's talk about layer twos now and layer threes uh, that are coming and are here, basically. So I'm using Lightning, to be honest, almost every week. Okay. But uh, I'm, I'm going after it. Yeah. Mm. So if I go and uh, cut my hair, I'm telling my barber, hey, man, do you know about Bitcoin? First time he said, ah, you're making money. Yeah. <laughs> you know. That's that's okay. You know, I had a problem with it at first, but then I decided that, okay, if people want to enter the Bitcoin world to make money, that's amazing. But then just learn, you know. You shared, I think, uh, in your group, I think it's, um, you shared a picture that, you know, uh, if you spend a lot of hours in Bitcoin, you actually learn more and more and more. Let's say you start with making money and then, oh, it's digital gold. Oh, yeah. and then you go to Bitcoin's freedom, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and then slavery, you know. Um, so uh, the first time I sent him Bitcoin, it was through the Latin network, you know, as a tip. Mm. You know, I gave him three euros as a tip. Okay. And uh, he said, wow, I, did, I didn't make any, you know, any QYC or anything, you know, wow. just sent him the Bitcoin. And it arrived in like not even a second, basically. So that's the Latin network. Um, 
I think the Lightning Network will be used in uh, in many situations in our daily lives, not just the transaction of money. Mm. I believe it will be used for data as well, mm. to transact data between us or maybe in-house in businesses. Uh, I've or seen even it. artificial intelligence, sorry for interrupting. Amazing, That's, uh, that was, yeah. <laughs> Where you were leading. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, we, we need a system that works with Bitcoin, okay, but not on Bitcoin, basically, you know. So the layer twos will use Bitcoin at the end, let's say, of a transaction, to put it simply, yeah. So how the Latin network basically uh, works, it's uh, uh, you uh, receive, let's say, Bitcoin in your la uh, layer two wallet. And when you actually want to put your Bitcoin back into the main chain, it, uh, it patches up the bitcoins and then it creates a transaction on chain mm. but when you transact you, um, through the channels of the latin network the fees are basically zero yeah. so that's uh, a, a good use case um, for our daily lives or a coffee let's say or tipping or um, i've seen uh, don't know if you know michael saylor do you know this guy <laughs> i think i heard about him somewhere yeah. <laughs> so he mentioned about uh, using the latin network for his emails you know ah, for his yes. corporate emails and uh, also he mentioned about um, uh, sending money to your customers easily. You know, you cannot send 30 cents, yeah. you know, through Swift or SEP or whatever. I mean, it's not feasible to do it, you know, every second. You yeah. know, it's not feasible to do it. So we have the technology now to do it. It's uh, been five years. In my opinion, it's still in a testing phase. We're trying to figure some things out. Uh, there are a lot of people uh, working on it. And uh, the, the last thing I saw, it's uh, that um, developer activities on the rise by 60% this year wow. in the Latin network. It's amazing. This is what we, are, we like to see. That's why we are doing all bullish. this. Bullish. Sounds very <laughs> bullish. <laughs> yeah. So that, that's where I see the future being. And then comes layer threes, uh, centralized solutions that use the Latin network, but um, not only to send Bitcoin. You, know? you can use the Latin network to send fiat as well. Mm. You know, which is very important for some. So uh, um, we did a, like a casual meetup in Nicosia like uh, two years ago. And um, there were two guys there from an Africa country. I don't remember the country, to be honest. And uh, this was with our Bitcoin T-shirts and tags and whatever. And they came there and asked, oh, guys, uh, you like Bitcoin? You use Bitcoin? And we said, yes. Can we learn some things? And we said, yeah. And the um, end result was that uh, these guys, they are sending 100 euros back home. And their family has received 75 euros yeah. out of that 100. I mean, that's unbelievable. And when we teach them, I mean, uh, yeah, that's, yeah, that's amazing. Because when we talk to them about Bitcoin, and they saw that almost all Bitcoin goes to their families, their mind was blown. You know? yeah. We actually saw the use case that firsthand. Mm. And um, what I say to people, it's uh, a very easy example to understand. Um, never buy an umbrella when it starts raining yeah you should always buy your umbrella before it starts raining you know so because we don't have a problem like we have but no, not in a scale that lebanon has or argentina has or turkey but um, we don't see the problem firsthand so we think that you know no nah, it's it's not going to come here you know it's like our daily lives now it's not going to happen to me you know yeah. guys please it's going to come okay <laughs> every currency is a falling knife it will come to the euro, to the dollar, to every currency, it will come. So be prepared. The solution I recommend is Bitcoin. Uh, so get, get, get your orange umbrellas ready, uh, ladies and gents. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. So yeah, this is where I see the future going. Yeah.
Well, uh, well, once once again, uh, that th- that was a very impactful um, th- thought uh, thought train that, that that you shared with us, Nasus, and I couldn't agree more. I mean, remittance payments in general, not just African nations, but I mean Latin America, Asian countries, it's it's a huge percentage, and and most of those people, the reason they use it is because they're quote unquote unbanked, right, and hopefully they stay unbanked and they adopt Bitcoin and not the, the corrupt banking system, which won't lead them very far. And I think that this, as you said, the use case of it is super important. There's on numerous episodes uh, previously with other guests, I talked about how these emerging countries and countries that are going through hyperinflation are seeing Bitcoin as the savior and us in the West live in the so-called comfortable life. We see it as a speculative measure. Oh, should I get in a 30K, a 25K? How much can I make? You know, um, they take it for granted. And and I couldn't agree more with what you said. I, I really like this, this quote, get the umbrella before it rains, not when it starts raining, it's too late. So definitely, if you haven't yet, for the listeners who are still on, on the sideline, uh, but hopefully not for long, start accumulating them sats and save them in, in your cold storage. Because once the rainy day comes, um, you don't want to be left out in the open, but naked, right? So, so to say. So let's now take it um, a little bit back to 2013. You said um, that's when you discovered Bitcoin. What was that point of discovery? Did you read it online? Your friend told you or you read a blog online? What was your first introduction to it, if you remember? Yeah, so uh, I came uh, from the UK for my studies in uh, 1st of March. 2013. Wow. And 15 days after, Boom. the haircut of uh, deposits happened. Yeah. And um, I was uh, I was reading a lot of, uh, you know, UK articles and stuff. And uh, there was a mention about Bitcoin, you know, mm. and um, I thought it was a scam, to be honest. Uh, what's that online thing that we don't know the, uh, who made it? And, you know, because I, I was used and I'm sure a lot of people listening to this now think like this. I, I, I don't know the CEO. Where can I find the CEO? Who's what, the owner? Who's the owner? Where is Elon Musk? You know, <laughs> well, where is the CEO of this thing? So I didn't trust it. You know, uh, that's why I said in 2015-2016. That's when I started understanding that that's the whole point of it. Mm. You know, that nobody actually owns it, and um, when you go deeper into it, you, you understand that the problem with the fiat world is that. Only a few own it, you know. So three companies, five, five companies, ten companies, that, that's it. And then you understand that, oh, okay. Then another ten people own the uh, button that you press to create more money. Wow. Okay, who owns that button in Bitcoin, I said. Okay, they understood no one. Mm. And then I went through a process. I'm sure half of Bitcoiners went through this process as well. Okay, is it the CIA that did it? And then as soon as I studied more and more, I understood the protocol. I understood that. It doesn't matter if we have a free and open source protocol that I can see everything on it, then I don't care who made it. I only care that if somebody lost their keys, nobody can restore the wallet. Mm. Did, do we have that? Yes, we do with the um, Genesis wallet. So um, we have that with the wallet, uh, uh, the Satoshi wallet, basically, and many other wallets that people lost their keys. So we are certain that um, the protocol works. If we are certain the protocol works and nobody owns it, then that's my kind of money, you know, mm. because money has uh, certain things that uh, need to apply, you know. Uh, is it scarce? Yes, scarce. It is. Is the block space uh, infinite or finite? 
it's finite, as we said before. Yeah, mm-hmm. if we have a finite block space, then a lot of demand will go into it. If a lot of demand go into it, then the miners will get paid more. So the incentives are there. So we need incentives for people to participate in a new money system. We have that as well. Mm. We, we we need money to be divisible. You know, that's where gold lost its power basically. Uh, because you cannot pay 10 cents to 50 cents. You cannot do that with gold. It's uh, not feasible to Mm. do it. And um, when we have all these properties of money down using Bitcoin, then understood that um, whatever else I buy or whatever else I invest, let's say, because to be honest, I don't see Bitcoin as an investment now, uh, but whatever else I put my money uh, to store it for the future, it will have some sort of control by someone or I will not be able to take it with me, let's say real estate, you know, mm. it has geographical risk. Um, everything lacks compared to Bitcoin. Yeah. So if something has all of the properties of real hard money, then I mean, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I couldn't agree more. I, I think another part is also the big problem, especially for people that travel the world and, and the nomads of, of the world, especially the Generation Z, it's, it's a very popular trend to be a nomad. Uh, Bitcoin essentially eradicates your your essentially need to exchange fiat from different countries. And as we know, um, the exchange rate, which most people use at airports, right, when they fly into a new country, they need to exchange some local currency to get the taxi. They get massively ripped off. So kind of once again, another rug is eradicated from from adopting Bitcoin and using it for for paying anywhere in the world to anyone, permissionless, as you said. And the biggest factor, which also to me was one of the big light bulb moments that that was the aha moments with Bitcoin, is the fact that it's unconfiscatable. Your real estate, the government can change, come and take it. Gold, if we look back at the history books, hundred years ago, nineteen thirties U.S with the whole uh, government confiscating gold that happened, will it happen again? Who knows? It could, it, it can't. Uh, but with Bitcoin, unless somebody, you're, you're sorry, a, a total idiot and, and you keep your 12 seed phrase on your fridge, uh, nobody's going to come and take your Bitcoin. So I think that's a massive power, the fact that it's you know unconfiscatable. And the last part, my comment on divisibility. So being able to, to divide it into many different units a lot of people, and I'm sure you experience the same thing when, when, when you first introduce them and you give them the first little BT orange pill and, and you tell them about Bitcoin and you usually get an answer of, oh, it's too expensive. I can't buy one. And then my straight response is you don't have to buy a full one. If you can, happy days, but most people can't. And then I tell them you can, you know, you can buy a fraction of it, 50 euros, $50. And when I tell them one Bitcoin can be subdivided to 100 million units, individual Satoshis, their eyes just kind of, the pupils go boop. You know, they, it, it's fascinating stuff. And, and I think the divisibility is a huge factor for Bitcoin. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I totally agree with you. And uh, about confiscability, I mean, it's, um, uh, as you said about gold, yeah, in the 1930s, they actually took, yeah. they took, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a wrong word, basically, because they stole it, basically. Um, but anyway, they took it from the people, you know, yeah. they took their money, basically, mm. you know, and uh, their hard-earned money. So uh, they can do that with the real estate. A hundred percent, they can do it. OK, because you don't really own the real estate, basically. OK, um, you have the title deeds. OK, yeah. But tyrannical governments, we've seen them a lot you know, during the years. They can steal everything from you. The only real property you have is Bitcoin. Mm. You know? 
So basically, Satoshi gave property rights to 8 billion people. Um, now, about divisibility, 100 million Satoshis. The goal, fiat-wise, one cent per Satoshi. Okay, <laughs> that's my vision, you know. And uh, that's how I want to uh, um, not promote Bitcoin in a sense of uh, investment, but in a sense that... Um, of account. Exactly, exactly. Uh, one Satoshi, we buy this. You know, one Bitcoin, we buy this. I want to compare everything with Bitcoin. Mm. You know, I'm, I'm sure all of us, uh, most of us saw charts, you know, one iPhone in 2011, <laughs> it was, this must Bitcoin, you know, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Um, the, the easiest way I found to, for people to understand inflation and hyperinflation, because that's the important thing, basically, we're trying to solve uh, for uh, um, basically all countries, you know. Um, um, We've seen countries like uh, now Lebanon and uh, Argentina, and so they, they suffer from hyperinflation. You know, so let, let's explain that in uh, using very simple terms. Okay, so uh, you have a wage of a thousand euros per month. Okay, and these a thousand euros, they buy you a thousand tomatoes. Okay, when there is even ten percent inflation, okay, rough numbers now, but if, if there's ten percent inflation, you can buy now nine hundred tomatoes. So. Because people, they don't really get it, I think, because, okay, prices went up a bit, okay. Yeah, but you became poorer, mm. you know, because of a thing that should never exist. You know, inflation is theft, in my opinion, okay, and because I studied economics, in economics, basically, we say, as technology improves, mm. prices should fall, okay? Yeah. So, technology improved massively, you know. There's a guy, I don't know if you've heard about this guy as well, Elon Musk, have you you heard about him, yeah? He's trying to, you know, take people to Mars and for them to live there. So technology improved a lot. How come prices stayed the same or rose for technology or for housing? How, mm. how come? Mm. That, that should never be the case with real money. That happened because they print, they printed even uh, since 2020, they printed 40% of the total money supply. Yeah. They printed it since uh, 2020. So that's huge. So, uh, what we are trying to do with Bitcoin is uh, to actually save our time, as you said at the start, but also save our, our, our money in a sense that, um, let's say if one Bitcoin buys today a brand new car, you know, an average car, we want that Bitcoin to buy the same uh, car, let's say, or the equivalent car from the same company, whatever, or more cars in the future. Okay, that's what we're trying to do. And when we're saying store of value, that's what it means. You know, not to actually make money, but to actually buy the same things or more in the future with the same Bitcoin. That's what we mean. People with uh, um, that live through hyperinflation, they understand this perfectly. But they have their money in real estate. Yeah. Okay, the real estate rose in price. Who's going to buy it, though? Nobody. Almost nobody will buy real estate now in Lebanon, yeah? yeah? Almost nobody will buy it. But with Bitcoin, they kept the, the value of their money, yeah? They kept it. And even um, there was a point that they made a profit on it, mm. yeah? That, that's what we want from a, a store of value asset. You know, that's exactly what we want, to keep, uh, to keep the value of our money and then make a bit of a profit as well, if possible. That's mm. what we want. And the only asset that managed to do it for the people in Lebanon is Bitcoin. Bitcoin. Yeah. I, yeah, just to add to that, well, <clears throat> as you said in the beginning, 
the Bitcoin journey, it, it, it's not short. It's for the long term, right? So if you're in this at least for one cycle, so at least four years plus, um, you're definitely going to see a little bit more than a little profit. Uh, it, it's going to be much more significant. But we're not here to be giving any financial advice or saying how many exits going to go up. It's just, as, as Nassos uh, mentioned and, and, and discussed this um, in some detail, if you look at the purchasing power since the inception, since the Genesis block was mined some 14 years ago, it that's the chart that's parabolic. The purchasing power every year is becoming stronger and stronger, while on the contrary, the fiat, no matter if it's the dollar, Japanese yen, whatever it is, Tanzanian dollar, I don't, <laughs> I, I don't know, a, any fiat that you choose, um, it essentially, it's, it, it's getting squashed. And especially, uh, as Nassos also mentioned, since 2020, the fact that 40% of all global money um, that, that has been added to the system, I mean, this is kind of the, the 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 banking system, especially central banking system, is digging their own grave with this. They they kind of they were very short sighted. There was a big kind of stop in the world with this whole hoax of COVID and how we're gonna get around and let's just print some more money. But this printing of money is really the pain is really starting to kick in now. Um, as we see, when people can't afford to to put food on their table, they can't pay rent, they can't. Things are getting confiscated, your car, your everything is, we're, we're essentially going through some very dark times. And in these dark times, the only thing that's your your, your candle, your your light of hope is this Bitcoin, which actually preserves and, and helps you in the long term get out of this essentially dark period that we're going through. Mm -hmm. So again, I totally agree with you. <laughs> um, so if I'm not mistaken, but let's say let's use rough numbers again yeah. uh, there is allow around one quadrillion of dollars in the world yeah in assets or in uh, investments or whatever 500 trillion if i'm not mistaken no all i think it's assets, no? i think it's much more yeah uh, i think it's only 315 real estate then okay. there is bonds and there is you know there is uh, a lot of scams out there right <laughs> exactly i think it's one quadrillion though okay. 900 trillion somewhere there but mm. let's use one quadrillion okay um in my opinion, Bitcoin will get around one to two percent of that. Okay, uh, in order to reach gold and uh, surpass it, uh, uh, to surpass gold, we need around twenty trillion. Okay, uh, that's factual uh, things that uh, uh, we need. Sorry for the listeners that don't know what is the rough market cap at the moment of Bitcoin. It's around uh, five uh, five hundred billion, some of four hundred billion. How much is it? Yeah, it's about. 500 billion yeah somewhere so there. we have we have some we have some time <laughs> so it's 25 yeah so it's around 500 billion yeah uh we have some time yeah uh and those numbers are where i want to end up with this those numbers though uh we use those numbers without uh thinking to account that they can print another 50 percent of that money they can print it again anytime. you know any exactly anytime anytime they decide that it's Okay, let's go back a bit though, okay? Because I want people to actually understand what's going on, okay? So, there is a term that we use in economics that uh, I use a lot to actually uh, understand the markets, okay? It's called debt to GDP ratio, mm. okay? That number, it should be below 50%, okay? There are countries, let's say the US, it's around 120%. So they owe more, much more, than they what, what they produce, okay? There is the solution to inflation, it's to produce more, you know, 
to give subsidies to the farmers. Mm-hmm. You know, what are they doing to, their, to the farmers now? They're killing them off. They are killing them off. Why? So let's go back to inflation again. Okay. When I owe one million euros, okay, to the bank, okay, and again let's use tomatoes, okay. I owe to the bank one million tomatoes, okay. If the price of tomatoes now doubles, how many tomatoes do I owe the bank? 500,000 tomatoes. Mm. So basically my loan got halved, okay? The value of my loan got halved. The tomato halving. <laughs> yeah. So if the value of my, uh, of my loan halved, just imagine the countries that owe money, you know? Does it benefit them to, to have inflation or no? Of course, of course it benefits them Uh, for the uh, for inflation to rise, you know, because now in real terms they owe less money, okay. So how can I trust someone? Let's call them government, okay. How can I trust them that um, they're basically working against us? You know, if they owe so much money, of course they want inflation to rise, of course, because they they don't want any production, because they want production to be as centralized as possible. You know, they don't want me and you to have our own. Uh, you know, our own fields and, you know, our own food, you know, they don't want that. So they are centralizing as much as possible the creation of food. Then they will centralize the creation of energy. They will centralize everything, you know, and uh, the, that's why I love Bitcoin, because it should always start with money. We start with money and then we decentralize food and then we decentralize everything that we can, you know. So if we understand that with inflation, I believe that's a good start for people to, that are not yet in Bitcoin to understand it better, you know, to first understand, okay, if I have extra money each month, it should not be in the bank. Okay, that's the first step we can all agree on. Okay, and then comes, okay, how much money do you have? Do you want to invest for you? Do you want to invest for uh, your grandkids? Or do you actually to just keep uh, the purchasing power of your money? You know, that's some decisions you should make. But all decisions, you know, end up to Bitcoin again. Either as an investment, either as a currency, either as a store of value, it works, you know. And with incentives in place, I believe the system will always work because the incentives work, you know. I like it. I Now, I'll say I totally agree with you, Nassos. <laughs> uh, and, and yeah, I also like to say that all roads lead to Bitcoin. Sooner or later, I mean... You know, so, some people might, might say I'm a Bitcoin maxi for saying this, but Bitcoin really does fix everything. And if you don't get it now, uh, don't worry. Keep on learning and uh, you will get it at, at, at some point in the future. But going back to um, going back to, to the monetary part, right? Because the, the Bitcoin white paper, which you mentioned, um, essentially Satoshi Nakamoto, which which you said nobody knows who it is, but I know who Satoshi is. Mm-hmm. It's all of us. All, all of us are Satoshi, us. right? Yeah. And uh, the the white paper was 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 titled "Peer to Peer Cash," right? So that was kind of the the first important, not just use case, but the first problem that needs to get fixed. Because if you fix the money, it's much easier to fix other things than trying to fix other things. And money being corrupt as it is today doesn't fix nothing. So, and I think well, Bitcoin really to add. This is one hell of an educational bombshell episode for you guys. But to, to, to continue with it, Bitcoin really does one big separation, which is it separates money from the state, which should have been done a long time ago. And the reason we find ourselves in this world that we are, this nonstop printing, is because government has the final decision on monetary policy, which is, in my opinion, an oxymoron. And 
I think separating money and the state and, and giving money back to the private sector and, and let the free market decide what money is. If I want to spend Bitcoin for my coffee, I should be able to. If I want to spend XRP or Shiba or whatever shitcoin is, is, is your cup of tea, you should be able to use it. Not, oh, you're in Europe, only euro is legal tender. Like it's, it's, very, it's very unproductive and, and, and it's very well, communist in a sort of way, right? I know a lot of people don't like to bring up communism, but hey, communism is this is our system. This is how it works. Take it or leave it, right? And that's currently the system that we're in. It's only euros, no, no Bitcoin, no nothing. Um, and this is something that Bitcoin gives us hope, creating our own free money and private money going back to the individuals from the state. Um, I should not say that again. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. Okay. <laughs> one thing though, okay, one thing. Um, I don't care about um, uh, how you call things, you know, communism or uh, fascism or whatever, okay? Uh, what I care, I'll give another example now, okay? There is uh, a bottle, you know, mm. and there are uh, black and red ants inside, okay? And somebody takes that bottle and shakes it up, you know? Mm. And then the red ants and the black ants, they fight each other, you know? But nobody gives attention to the hand that's actually shaking the bottle, you know? So what we need to do as people, you know, we need some sort of unification, some, something to unite us, mm. you know? And I believe Bitcoin unites people, you know? That's, that's an, an amazing tool uh, that we, uh, we can use as Bitcoiners, you know? Do you like your money? Yes. Do you like your time? Yes. Please save it here, okay? For you and your children and your grandchildren, okay? We, we can use that to unify people, you know? And uh, slowly, slowly, I see more and more people to, um, that they don't trust their governments, they don't trust their currency. And slowly, slowly, I think a lot of people will find out about Bitcoin. Our job, is to make it easy for them, you know. Uh, that's what I do with my businesses as well. I try to make it as easy as possible for people to pay in Bitcoin, to secure their Bitcoin and stuff like that. Okay. It's very, very easy when you get the hang of it. It's like the internet. Nobody knew how to use it. You used to hear the sound of the telephone, you know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. You remember that. Uh, kids won't relate, you know. But still, sorry, Generation Z. <laughs> Google it and YouTube it. <laughs> Bravo. Uh, it's a learning curve, okay? But as soon as you go into it and you spend 100 hours in it, you are done, okay? Um, the point is uh, to build products, to, be, to build use cases for Bitcoin, uh, in order for people not only to see it as, uh, as an investment, you know? It's good that people will enter the space because Bitcoin rose, you know, uh, 50% in, uh, in a week. That's good. Okay. It should rise in price. As demand rises and as the halvening secure, it should rise in price. Yes. Uh, it should keep your uh, monetary value. Yes. But you should learn why do we have it? Why was it created? Okay. Who are we going against? You know? When we learn all these things, then we can unite behind a, a common goal which is very rare nowadays, you know? <laughs> there is one side and then the other side, and then the other side and then the other side. I mean, we will keep on fighting with each other, you know? E even in the, uh, in the blockchain world, you know, ah, it's this token and this token and this. W when I removed myself from all that and I uh, was only Bitcoin, then I could actually- Become uh, and clear. Yeah, that, that was clear because you mentioned that everybody can pay. Of course, everybody should be able to pay with whatever they want, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, but we should all agree again that money should not have a controller, a ruler, you know? 
I hope I hope uh, people uh, understand Bitcoin a bit more than just you know I put my money in and XRP and Dogecoin rose more than Bitcoin and that's not the only point though you know we need money that nobody controls that's essential to move forward okay and uh, when we have the money uh, uh, when we have our own money then we can move on to other things as I said before you know to actually combat other things that we face nowadays. Uh, totalitarianism and all, all that, you know. When you learn uh, to be self-sovereign with your money, then, at least in my case, I learned a lot more about what it means to uh, to own my own land. To uh, I, now I have land, you know, my own land, my own food. Do you have your own tomatoes? Yeah. <laughs> Not yet. Okay. Now it's the time. But. <laughs> <laughs> um, you learn about these things, you learn about energy. Uh, how does the energy uh, thing work with Bitcoin? You know, do you use too much energy or no? That's a mm. huge debate that I had a talk like, uh, again, uh, two weeks ago. And I asked the guy that uh, was on the opposite side, basically, you know, it uses too much energy and stuff. And I said, okay, do you know how much energy Christmas lights will uh, consume? You know, of course, you didn't know the answer because you never hear it in the news, you know. Mm. And the second question was, what's the output of Christmas lights? You know, just laughter of the kids. Okay, that's nice. Yeah, of course. But the output of Bitcoin is monetary value, you know, and uh, it's a real asset that comes out of the use of all that energy. It's a sorry for the, it's a feature, not a defect. The exactly. whole point that Bitcoin hash power, hash rate keeps growing is what keeps Bitcoin secure and safe. And I guess to to no coiners, let's call them. They just look at the, the side of, oh, my God, it wastes so much energy. But no, that's the whole point of it. Exactly. That's where I was uh, going to end the, this segment. Yeah. Uh, it's a feature, not a bug. Okay. And uh, when we understand uh, what what Bitcoin is, basically, you can theoretically say that you are sending energy to wherever, you know, mm. uh, which is an amazing thing to, to conceptualize. Yeah, to conceptualize. Exactly. You're creating cheap energy, you are getting standard energy and you are sending it to people in need. On the other side of the world. Exactly. With almost no fees. Instantly. And no control. <laughs> nice. That's an amazing tool. So uh, what I was uh, going to end up with is, I only trust now proof of work blockchains. Okay. And then the only uh, ethical one is Bitcoin. Okay. Mm. I never do, uh, I, never, I never want to do anything with proof of stake and all those new concepts that you know as you said it's a feature to use energy to prove of work mm. you know you're mm. proving that you that there is work behind creating a new bitcoin there is work behind it that's what that was the good thing about gold you know there is work and there is also value in it as a metal you know of course it lacks uh, in a lot of aspects uh, comparing it to bitcoin but um um Proof of work, in my opinion, is the only solution we have now to uh, create value in a decentralized manner. Mm. That's the only thing we have today. I don't know about the future, but uh, it's so simple and so nice, you know. And uh, in its simplicity, I think Bitcoin, it's uh, basically freedom. Yeah. And it's nice to think about it like that. You know, I have a new uh, term that I like to refer Bitcoin to as hashtag freedom tech. Oh, amazing. Right, because it, 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 it's a technology aspect that I believe is one of the greatest 
technological advancements that humankind has ever invented, or hopefully we invented. For all I know, Satoshi Nakamoto was uh, some aliens from Nibura that came down and, and dropped some code on us, uh, the, the, the dumb humans that we are. But uh, going back, I really liked what you said about once you discover Bitcoin and, and you hold your, your keys and, and, and you essentially, as I had, a, I had Jimmy Song uh, recently on the on the podcast and, and one thing he talked about is the deeper you go down the bitcoin rabbit hole the more humble you become and grounded right and uh, i think definitely now you can relate to this because uh i didn't see no lambo parked outside uh but you definitely have a farm field and, and 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 you look into you know developing your own thing having a stable life you know living for yourself your wife you know building uh, a prosperous self-controlled future instead of you know, the average person might, especially in the bull markets, especially th this term, to the moon, where is pumping, where, where, when's the moon coming? And, and, you know, kind of this whole Lambo talk, uh, I think is very misleading because, yeah, okay, of course you can buy a Lambo, but a Lambo will not bring you the same happiness as having your own tomatoes, potatoes, you know, really living the life that you should be living. And I think this is one thing um, that Bitcoin does uncover for you. So it's not just a monetary um, a monetary use and, and, and wealth preservation, but it opens up and gives you a much more beautiful life and a much more humbling life instead of this shitcoin casino where you're waiting for the next pump and, and you can't sleep at night and you're binding your nails and you're like, oh my God, somewhere's going to dump and it, it's just crazy. But I guess it's a free world. It's a free market. People can choose what they want to do. But uh, yeah, I, I wanted to share that aspect that Bitcoin really does humble you. Yeah, uh, it humbled me as well, to be honest, because as I told you, I was into some altcoins uh, the period of my life. Yeah. And I was thinking about Nasos for, uh, you know, uh, the next week I'm going to make this in X amount of money and stuff. Yeah. And uh, from that, I went to, okay, I want to create wealth for my great grandchildren, yeah. you know. So it, it made me, uh, I mean, humble is uh, not an enough word to say, I mean, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, it humbled me in a sense that uh, uh, I'm not only uh, looking out for myself, yeah. you know. Uh, so ego uh, was removed mm -hmm. with my business as well. I didn't create it just to make my. Of course, I want to make some money with the business, of course, but that's not why I created the business. You know, I created it because I want to actually help people learn about all these things and learn about Bitcoin and to be secure with it. You know? mm -hmm. And as a last thing, um, you mentioned Freedom Tech. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I want our listeners to. Um, uh, use some uh, uh, other freedom tech other than money, other yeah. than Bitcoin. Uh, there are solutions to chat like Simplex, which mm. is an amazing tool. Um, I'm going to run Simplex on a node I have. Uh, and then Nostra. Nostra oh, is a decentralized uh, X, Twitter, whatever you want to call it nowadays. That, that, the other bird app. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you can download Damus app or whatever you can find on Nostra, which basically, in a few words, it's... Um, uh, decentralized uh, social media network that protocol, uh, protocol yeah exactly yeah uh, that uh, nobody can uh, delete your application uh, your um, your page your messages, your, or whatever. Your messages nobody and and even if apple decides to remove the app there are uh, another 10 apps waiting in line that will have the exact same data as you had before okay it's all connected okay mm. because they are using the same relays there because we don't need to go in deep into it just people learn about this uh, freedom tech, as you said, yeah. it's a nice term. Freedom tech, simplex is about chatting. Nostra also uses the Latin network, by the way. Nostra, the, it's a, a social media network. Um, it uses Lightning to send payments to whomever in the world. 
you don't need to know them, you don't need to know their address, you just zap them. You know, yeah. instead of hitting the, the, the useless like button, you can just zap someone exactly. and tip them a little bit, exactly. which is powerful. Somebody made a documentary on Nostra about Nostra mm-hmm. and Jack, uh, the CEO, XCO, XCO yeah. of Twitter was uh, in, in, uh, in this documentary and uh, he raised money only through Nostra, mm-hmm. you know, and it, it was an amazing first use case to see it uh, actually with your own eyes, you know, uh, how the Bitcoin community came together to uh zap him you know some sats you know and uh, he uh would basically sponsor him you know as a community mm. uh that was a, an amazing thing so um as a final thought basically uh i want people to understand uh, what is money okay and then if you understand money you will understand bitcoin and if you understand bitcoin then you will understand that we need as much freedom as possible in this world uh Some people are trying to control what we think and uh, what we eat and what we buy and what money we use. We should be, uh, we should have uh, critical thinking, okay, in order to understand all these things and then find solutions um, uh, either either in money, either in uh, whatever the problem is, you know. We have solutions, we have Bitcoin, uh, study about money, study about inflation, study about freedom tech, and uh, I believe we are all going to be okay. (laughs) <laughs> that's it for me Fair enough. well that's uh you you kind of beat me to it usually as i i, I guess you listen to to our podcast because yeah. i close <laughs> it with what is one piece of advice <laughs> you gave multiple and I, I guess this whole episode from the beginning was kind of the the deep orange peeling of of people that are on the sideline um and yeah I, i'd like to definitely thank you so much there's a lot of things um, I had in mind that I, that we didn't touch upon, but definitely next year after the halving, we'd love to have you back. Uh, such as things as CBDCs, who know, maybe we might even be living in a CBDC world and, and, and many other things. The ETFs, the, the soft forks that are planned. I mean, there's a, a wild range of topics, but I think as an opening and definitely as a fact-banging episode, you, you smashed it. So I'd like to thank you from the bottom of my heart again, Nassos. Thanks a lot for taking the time and coming on the show. I thank you. And uh, I'm sure we will talk again in the near future. Thank you, guys. Uh, keep on stacking your sets. Stay safe. Stay humble. And we'll see you on the next one. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of What is Your Bitcoin Story podcast. Remember to subscribe and share with your friends and family. For more valuable Bitcoin resources, visit our website at whatisyourbitcoinstory.com. Keep stacking sats, stay safe, and spread the Bitcoin revolution.